This is Clutch Fans. The Rockets are going to Boston. How sweet it is! And by the way, shout out to the Clutch fans. You're listening to the Clutch Fans Podcast, an open conversation for Houston Rockets diehards. Houston Rockets is unbeatable. <laughs> I'm ready to get on Clutch fans. Now, here's your host. The man who would have drafted Harold Miner over Robert Ory, Dave Hardesty. What's happening, everybody? We're now just days away from the NBA draft. And to be honest, we probably won't even touch that subject today. There's just too much going on. And and frankly, the Rockets have just the 34th pick of the draft. So it's a little hard to get pumped up about that when free agency looms. Uh, it's kind of like getting excited about adding a, a Tim Ulbrich when a James Harden addition could be right around the corner. So we'll touch on the draft in a podcast in, in next week. Uh, this week we've got even more to talk about as the Rockets have been involved in some some news reports and rumors. Uh, and joining me today are Lance Thompson and, and Andrew Stewart. Guys, I think uh, we can probably sum up the beginning of this discussion with one name, and, and that's Chris Paul. Yeah, the article came out early last week, I guess, that um – and it was a no-news article, but I think to most people, we knew that the Daryl Morey was going to dabble and go after a guy like Chris Paul, a top-tier free agent. But the, the article came out nonetheless and said you know, that the Rockets are going to go after both Chris Paul and Dwight Howard, um, whether they try to get them both or one at a time, who knows. But, again, I thought that was kind of a no-news yeah, it, it it was absolutely no news. I mean, just look at the past with Daryl Morey. He's every every single off season, he always tries to at least makes an attempt to go after the top free agent. Why would this year be any different? You know, he's got the superstar in James Harden. He's got a young team, and he's got the cap space. So I agree with both of you. I thought it was a, really a no news story. Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, in the story we're talking about, uh, and I didn't describe, is a Houston Chronicle article um, that basically said, "Hey, what you know." Why just go after Dwight Howard when they'll go for two for the price of one and, and talked about going after Chris Paul as well. Now that's something we knew two weeks earlier when, uh, you know, Ori33 on the Clutch Fans forums had posted a recap of Daryl Morey's Q&A with season ticket holders. Uh, Daryl Morey very clearly outlined that the Rockets will be going after the top two free agents. So I thought that the article sort of blew up and became, hey, the Rockets are going after both players. I just, I thought that was disingenuous a little bit. I think there were more interesting things in the article to take from it, and that was probably uh, that that uh, was reported that Howard has expressed interest in playing with Mikhail and Bickerstaff, something that we didn't know. I just think I look at this still as a situation where we have reason to believe the Rockets can get Dwight Howard. He seems to be a very good fit here. There seem to be problems where he is right now as a free agent, and I've heard all kinds of buzz about Dwight Howard. I mean, I've heard rumors even that you know Harden and Parsons had dinner with him and. Uh, Dwight said to said to them that he's coming to Houston, that he wants that he's going to be joining the Rockets. And, and and again, it's hard to verify that information, but you hear stuff like that, and there's just been a lot of positive buzz about Dwight Howard. So that's why we focused on Dwight. So there's an opening there, whereas with Chris Paul, we don't have any solid information that he's willing to leave the Clippers just yet. Yeah, I I love I love the fact you brought that up. I thought taking what I took away from that article was. 
you know, the big thing about Dwight this year in L.A. was he felt like he wasn't utilized properly under D'Antoni, and I, I completely agree. I don't feel like they used Powell or Dwight correctly. So the fact that he acknowledges that and that he looks at Kevin McHale, who is well-known as being one of the better low-post coaches in the game, and says, hey, this is a guy that can utilize my talents and bring the best out of me. I think that's awesome for the Rockets, and it's awesome for you know the possibility of him coming to Houston. Um, I, I think that was almost a no-news for me, too. Uh, it was cool that he came out and said that he was going to play with McHale, but I think all the big men around the league have an immense respect for him You know, with what he did with Garnett and Kevin Love. I know Kevin Love oftentimes uh, – comes out and says how instrumental he was in the early years of his game. Um, to me, the, the Chris Paul thing, I would be more surprised, I, or I think there's a, a less chance that Chris Paul will sign outright with Houston with no Dwight. I think there's a better chance that we would get Dwight and Chris Paul together. I don't think there's a good chance of that either. I, I think um, Rockets fans who are thinking that Chris Paul is going to uh, be playing in, in a Rockets jersey next year need to be very, very, very cautiously optimistic. You know, and that, that sort of got the ball rolling with Chris Paul's name out there as far as Rocket fans. Everything had been focused on Howard. Uh, then came a Chris Broussard report last week, uh, came out saying that Chris Paul and Dwight Howard have been in, quote, consistent contact, end quote, uh, about the possibility of becoming teammates next season. And I, he added a quote from a source saying that that they would love to play together if somebody can make it happen. So of course that creates a firestorm. And to me, that's that's really that's also no news. I mean, what top you know top notch center wouldn't want to play with arguably the best point guard in the league? I I feel like that's I don't want to say spotty journalism, but at the same time, it's like of course they hope to play with one another, but I don't think they're going out there making themselves a package deal. And I think the how the Rockets could get involved that that's a, it's tough. It's going to be difficult. I did speak to David Weiner. Uh, a.k.a. Beam a Thug on the Clutch Fans forums about how the Rockets could make the cap work to get both of these guys. Let's take a listen. You know, we've talked about Dwight Howard in the past. Um, now we're talking about Dwight Howard and Chris Paul and uh, the likelihood or unlikelihood of something like that happening. Um, you've broken down before how the Rockets need to move a player here, probably Thomas Robinson, but they could do a few other things just to sign Dwight Howard outright. How can the Rockets sign or land i should say both dwight howard and chris paul uh and would it be difficult in your opinion to move ashik and or lynn without taking back existing salary well um the, uh, to answer the first part i think uh it, it is going to be very difficult to land both dwight howard and chris paul uh and either in free agency or sign and trade or cap clearing um, it, it's just going to be a very difficult task. I think those who are setting themselves up for anything short of getting both being a failure, they, then I would be prepared for, for failure if I were them. Um, it doesn't mean the Rockets can't pull it off, but if you add Dwight and Paul's max salaries, you're looking at about uh, $39 million total to pay them the max. Even if they took a 10% discount, maybe to account for state income taxes and stuff like that that they'd be saving, you're still looking at somewhere between 35 and $36 million in cap room you would need to sign them outright. And there's short of getting rid of Lynn and Oshik and others, there's no way. So, so for those who think that the Rockets can keep 
one of Lynn or Oshik and sign both Paul and Howard outright in free agency, not going to happen. Uh, I think you, at the very least you're going to have to move both Lynn and Oshik uh, to sign them outright, and you have to dump them without taking back much of any salary. And what's going to make that even more difficult is typically in free agency, the big dogs are the first dominoes to fall. So not much of anything's going to happen until Dwight and Chris Paul decide where they're going to go. And so if a team is perhaps willing to take Lynn or Oshik off their hands, they may have other plans that they're factoring in, and they're going to want to see what Chris Paul and Dwight Howard do before they definitively make a move. So the timing is going to be very, very difficult for the Rockets to move that much salary. Even if they can find takers, I just think the timing of it all is going to make it too difficult to get done in time. So, so right there, that's going, to be, uh, that's going to make it very difficult to sign them out, right, even if they can move the salary. And then uh, sign and trade is probably going to be very difficult because I think both L.A. teams are going to resist just kind of giving away their guy. And at least in the Lakers' plans, uh, they're they're building everything up to have double max cap room in 2014, and uh, adding guys like Lynn and Oshik are going to jeopardize that. They they have their eyes set on on bigger fish than Lynn and Oshik, and uh, I and I, I don't think uh, Lynn or Oshik are necessarily the best fits with the Clippers. Uh, maybe the Clippers will play ball, but I doubt it. So just to be clear, uh, that means that basically going after Dwight Howard and Chris Paul both, even though it is unlikely, that means Lynn and Oshik gone uh, i think for, to, to pay both of them anywhere close to what they're going to need uh, i think you're gonna have to move both those guys out i mean how how difficult is that to move those two guys in your personal opinion now you're talking about 16 to 17 million dollars worth of salary without taking back a dime uh, on the current cap i mean perhaps ashik and, and lynn's value I, do you feel that that's uh i don't want to say easily but uh that they're capable of doing something like that I mean, I think Oshik would be easier to deal than Lynn. Um, and that's not a slide on Lynn. I just think a center that's as good as Oshik you're, you're going to find takers for. Um, another factor, and it isn't necessarily a factor for every team, but it will be for some, is the way that Lynn's and Oshik's contracts were structured. They only made $5 million of their contract value this past season. So while they're only on the cap for $8.3 million in each of the next two years, they're really going to they're over the next two years they're each going to be owed i think over twenty million so uh there's a financial consideration that might dissuade some teams, probably not many but at least some uh but I think the the biggest factor is you know if anyone can find takers for guys it's it's Daryl Morey, but the timing again I'll go back to the timing that this is all going to need to be resolved very quickly and even if the Rockets can line up takers for Lynn and Oshik. It it might not necessarily be the other team's plan A, and so in order for that team's plans to play out, uh, there might need to be some you know a waiting game there. So uh, I, I I'm trying not to be kind of the the you know, overly pessimistic. I'm just trying to set people's expectations uh, somewhere in the realm of reality. I think it, it, it's it's a possibility for the Rockets, and they're going to try their damnedest to do it. And they might be successful, but it is highly unlikely that they're going to be able to do it. You know, and it's been my opinion uh, that Dwight Howard is just really the perfect fit. I wrote something about that. 
uh, here in Houston and that the Rockets have the best team for him, ready to win now, uh, partnering up with a guy like James Harden. But, you know, based on some of these reports coming out now that possibly uh, Dwight and, and Chris Paul are communicating and, and looking into possibilities about playing together, maybe making themselves a package deal, uh, that's uh, probably a stretch. But if that's the case, does that help or hurt the hurt the Rockets' chances, in your opinion, because he would be, no matter where he goes, uh, partnering up with a top guard like Chris Paul? Um, I, I think it probably hurts the Rockets' chances to the extent that the two of them are dead set on playing together, which is probably not the case, although I'm sure that would be their preference. Um, you know, the, the, the news with the, the Clippers trying to work deals with the Celtics for Doc Rivers and Kevin Garnett uh, – causes some concern if if somehow the uh the clippers are able to deal essentially deandre jordan for kevin garnett uh without giving up eric bledsoe there's been there have been rumors that the clippers might offer the lakers blake griffin and eric bledsoe in a sign-in trade for dwight howard uh which is legal under the cap and i, I kind of did the math i think if you add Blake Griffin's and uh, Eric Bledsoe's salaries, it, and then you do the the salary matching uh, calculations there, they could trade those two, and the Lakers could sign Dwight pretty much to exactly the max salary he could get. Uh, so, so the money would be there for Dwight to do that sign and trade. And I know the Lakers are shouting from the mountaintops that they're absolutely not going to do a sign and trade, but. If Dwight was otherwise ready to walk out the door for the Rockets, and I'm Mitch Kupchak, I'd have to think long and hard about Blake Griffin, Eric Bledsoe. That's a pretty good haul. Appreciate the insight, David. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. My pleasure. So there's a lot there to dive into. Guys, what were your thoughts on uh, on David Weiner's comments? I thought it was interesting that he talked a little bit about the timing of it all. Um, and I'll add something to what he said. You know, the difficulty of it, of moving those guys and the timing of of teams wanting to look at their option A and option B and Oshig and Lynn not being necessarily those options and fitting that, that's all true. But, you know, one other thing to consider is what happens when all that falls through, you know, uh, on the off chance that uh, the Rockets land Dwight Howard and then start to get the wheels going on moving an Oshik and a Lynn, what happens when they can't move those guys or Chris Paul just decides I'm just going to re-sign with L.A. and be done with it. Now you have Oshik and Lynn. You never want to alienate those guys and go out and just say, I'm going to trade these two guys and put them on the block and then take them back off. That's kind of a tough situation to be in. And that's a situation that you know Doc Rivers can't turn around from where he's at right now. He won't be coaching in Boston next year, whether he's coaching in L.A. or not. Yeah, and I think he highlighted something I thought was important. Uh, you talked about a little bit about how easy or difficult it would be to move Ashik and Lynn without taking back any salary, which is what would be required. And, and keep in mind, Ashik and Lynn are both very good players. Uh, Ashik is certainly the centerpiece of this team as far as defensively down low, uh, and Lynn is a guy you hope uh, can continue to progress. So they're, they're key parts of the team. You mentioned, Lance, you know, risking alienating those guys, shopping them. Uh, this, that's what the Rockets have to do at times, and they, they did that with Scola going after Bosch. It's it, it's common, but I, I do think when you look at the market, I think Ashik, as David pointed out, is going to be pretty easy to move. I mean, you look at his 8.3 million dollar cap hit. There are many teams I think out there that would that would love to take that on. Portland jumps out immediately. Need a center, have about 11 to 12 million in cap room. 
um, they could they could not spend eight to, to nine million in cap room and get a, a player of the quality of Omer Ashik, in my opinion. They would jump at the chance to get him. Exactly, and who wouldn't want to have a center like Ashik, who's shown at least through his first season starting, he's durable. He averaged a double-double, and he is an elite defender. I think moving him and not having to take back any cap would be, I want to say, fairly easy, but I don't think it would be hard. Uh, Jeremy Lin, that could be a little more difficult, but I, I have a feeling if they had to get that done, they would be able to get that done. Yeah, I think luckily there's a market for Lin's market. You know, they, there's there's a good market for a guy who's who brings in that, that big group of um, – People that like to see him and, and the Lynn Sanity, he, br- he brings that along too. Um, whether he produces on the floor or not for whatever team, whether he fits with them is a whole different discussion. But at least you can kind of send that along as, as an add-on. And it's sure. not so much a slight on Jeremy Lynn. It's more so there's so many good point guards in the league. I mean, I, you yeah, look at market. The, yes, the mar- the market is just it's just it's just saturated, not favorable to yeah to Jeremy Lynn. So I think the one thing they would have to do is sell Lynn's sanity more so than Jeremy Lynn's talent because I think you could probably find fifteen to twenty point guards that are just as good, if not better, than Jeremy Lynn. Yeah, absolutely. I think that sums it up best. I mean, you look at Ashik. Because of the you know lack of centers in the league and how effective he would be, where he would rank overall. I mean, you could put him anywhere in the five to ten range. I would think in NBA centers, if not a hair higher, um, he there would be a, a definite demand. Whereas Lynn, it's it's a little bit more questionable questionable because there are so many uh, good point guards in the league. Yeah, and it's 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 you know like I said earlier, it's kind of you want to be cautiously optimistic when you talk about it. But boy, if if this would be something that the Rockets could pull off and they could get both Howard. And Paul, you got to think a team that runs a pick and roll offense with a with a point guard that makes everybody better, with a center as athletic as Howard and that can play defense like Howard. You got to think we'd be really, really good next year. Oh, that would be it would be unbelievable. And the thing I've the thing I've said about Chris Paul, getting him to me kills two birds with one stone, because. I look at the four position now, which is right now the weakness for the Rockets, and I don't think to myself, oh, man, there's a glaring hole at the four. Listen, if you have Kevin McHale as your coach and you're a power forward and you have Chris Paul as your point guard, you have no excuse to at least be a decent starter in the league. And that's all the Rockets would need if they threw out a lineup of Parsons, Harden, Paul, and Howard. That's all they would need is just a decent starter, and they could absolutely get that, I think, from a Terrence Jones or a Donatus Montiunis. Yeah, and we're and again, we're talking about something so unlikely, but still, you'd be talking about adding two all-star starters, and guys who have started the all-star game for many years. Um, major impact. Immediately, you'd become a Miami Heat-caliber team. Uh, I I do think, and as, as silly as it sounds, you might have uh, some ball-dominant guards issues similar to what you have right now with Jeremy Lin, um, but we're talking about a significant upgrade by adding Chris Paul. Uh, and I think the beauty of it would be you'd have the perfect general manager in Daryl Morey. He was hired uh, you know, in, in 06 um, basically to initially to add those complementary pieces around Yao and, and um, Tracy, and this is a guy who just finds value out of nothing. When you have very little in resources to work with, he finds value and adds those uh, significant role players. We, even just this past year, we saw Patrick Beverly, Greg Smith, Delfino. Uh, he'll, he'll go out and get the right pieces around those players 
uh, even though they'll be taking up the majority of the cap, he'll, he'll add the right pieces. Yeah, say what you want about Daryl Morey, his ability to fill that 7 through 15 spot on the bench. I mean, I you'll be hard-pressed to find a better GM in the league. I mean, he'll either do it through the draft, he'll pick guys up on free agency, he'll make deals at the deadline. He is constantly improving that 7 to 15 spot. So if the Rockets were to pull off the unthinkable with Chris Paul and Dwight Howard, I have all the faith in the world that Daryl Morey is going to put together a solid bench that has depth and that can really help complement the starters really help complement the starters and that's that's a luxury of that's that's the luxury in having daryl morey yeah i saw some people um using the ball dominance argument um in favor of well the rockets should go after howard and not paul because uh, paul and harden would have a hard time coexisting because each one of them do dominate the ball a lot but Paul averaged 9.7 assists last year a game, and I don't see a guy like that. I do think there would be some some questions early on on who would take control and a little bit of flow in the offense, but you're talking about two unselfish players, and I think while there would be some questions of flow early, I think I think it would be unbelievable out of the pick and roll. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah I, I do. I, I would agree with that. I mean, they're extremely unselfish players, and when you're unselfish, you – you find a way to make things happen. I, I will add, though, that I think Jeremy Lin is as well as an unselfish player, and I know you guys agree with that. Uh, and I think that the strengths of Harden are similar to what we you know, had in McGrady in the past in that he is a playmaking two-guard, a guy who requires the ball and is he's unselfish. People, some people label him as selfish. I think that's ridiculous. He's willing and capable passer. And I think to, to truly leverage his strength, he, he does need the ball in his hand. But, I, you know, we're, and this is a scenario that uh, is, you know, a very low percentage scenario would be fantastic. I think uh, raining on our parade a little bit is a uh, current event right now, and that's the, the Clippers-Celtics trade talk that's going on. Probably expected to go down here soon. This really started a report, I believe, uh, Saturday where, um, you know, the Celtics and, and Clippers are talking about a deal involving Kevin Garnett and Doc Rivers, the coach, uh, going to the Clippers. And it was initially reported that the Celtics wanted uh, DeAndre Jordan, Eric Bledsoe, and, and draft picks. Then apparently the Celtics relented on, on needing Bledsoe, which was the holdup, and that they want to be able to move some, some bad contracts. And now the most recent report from Adrian Wojnarowski is that they want an additional draft pick and are not as um, you know forcing the bad contract. So it looks right now like uh, the Celtics are getting a little bit desperate and the Clippers are are standing strong. What are your thoughts on on this trade talk? I think it sort of solidifies Chris Paul staying in L.A. Um, the the one thing that stands out to me is Kevin Garnett's no trade clause. If if there was a chance that Chris Paul was going to test free agency after this deal, that he thought, well, even if we get Kevin Garnett, even if we get Doc Rivers, I still don't see us being maybe good enough to compete in the West because the West is so tough, and I'm still going to go out and test free agency and just at least have a look. I don't think Kevin Garnett would wave, wave his no trade clause. He's If Kevin Garnett's a few things, he is smart, he is loyal, and he is competitive. And I can't see him going to the Clippers if there's an outside chance that Chris Paul won't be there next year. You know, to me, Boston is such a key team this offseason. I've felt this way for months that they are, are sort of a linchpin-type team where you knew, that, you know, there was a lot of suspicion that they might reload and try again, but you knew that they had to transition here at some point and this looks like they're finally relenting and doing it and they and it's overdue they need they need to make this happen 
Uh, and it's just a textbook example of a team in transition that a, a team like the Rockets, or in this case the Clippers, uh, can take advantage of. Trading some young pieces, draft picks, flexibility, cap room for veteran pieces. And, uh, you know, I, I look at Dallas. They're, they're, they're a team that's raging against the dying of the light as well. And if they fall short, they're probably going to be a team in transition at some point. And I, I don't know if Mark Cuban would ever trade Dirk, but you know, that you may see something like that happen in that, to that team as well. But I think I look at the Clippers here. I think if they're able to pull this off to get Doc Rivers and Kevin Garnett, just giving up DeAndre Jordan and draft picks, uh, I think they're setting themselves up nicely. If they're, you know, basically they would still have Bledsoe, a uh, top trade piece for another move, and um, you know they will move him because they, they're not going to pay him in a year. Uh, I think they're going to have KG being able to to, to play some center. They'll have Blake Griffin, they'll have Chris Paul, and they'll still have a, a very good supporting cast. I think that's a, a team that that's a real threat in the West. I, I think uh, I think they would be a real threat. Back to what you said about Boston, though. You know, everyone's talking about KG and Doc Rivers. I look at Rajon Rondo and I think to myself, you know what? There were rumors that they were trying to ship him out last trade deadline. I know he's been hurt. You know, it's almost like an out of sight, out of mind thing. But he's a guy. He's got three – I want to say it's three years left on his contract. He's making $10 million, $11 million, then $12 million. I would absolutely take a flyer on Rajon Rondo. I know he had an ACL injury, but nowadays ACL injuries aren't what they used to be. So I would absolutely take a flyer on Rajon Rondo, especially if Boston goes in just full rebuild mode. He would be a guy – I mean I don't think you could get him on the cheap, but I definitely think you know you could get – if you had the assets, you could definitely obtain him. Yeah, and I know you're just speculating, but one of the, one of the things too is Bledsoe not going to them in that deal kind of hurts that. I mean, if they had Bledsoe coming there, Bledsoe, who's a restricted free agent next year, you would think they'd be more willing to part with Rondo and say whatever someone offers Bledsoe, we'll just match it, no big deal. Um, but if if they, for instance, buy out or amnesty Paul Pierce after this deal and do go into full rebuild mode. It'll be interesting what they do with Rondo, whether they decide to move forward with him as the young, younger centerpiece of their franchise or whether they decide to blow it up even further, move forward into 2014 with um, not a whole lot of assets and a ton of cap space and waiting for that good free agent class. Yeah, I thought the timing of a Houston Chronicle article that followed up this rumor uh, Houston Chronicle article that comes out saying the Rockets, if they land one of these top free agents, meaning Dwight Howard or Chris Paul, um, that they will be shopping for veterans, that they will be, they will then uh, change course, start trading their young pieces and their flexibility and what have you and, and acquiring guys who are ready to win now. Um, and it also reinforced that the Rockets would be willing to pay the luxury tax. Keep in mind, they've paid the luxury tax one time in 15 seasons. Uh, and that was because they were like $700,000 over the line. They tried frantically to get under it, couldn't couldn't make it happen. So they're not comfortable paying the luxury tax. But the article says, hey, we will be, uh, we are willing uh, for the right team they're in, a, in a championship contending team. And to me, what was fascinating about this article was it wasn't talking to fans. It really didn't feel like it was informing fans. It felt like it was responding to the Clippers Celtics trade talk. Like a don't forget us type of thing. Exactly. It was talking to to Dwight Howard and Chris Paul saying, hey, uh, you know, we're we're not able to make these moves right now. But, you know, exactly. Don't forget us. We'll be here uh, making these type of moves in July. Come here. We will do the same something similar. 
Yeah, I think both those guys know that L.A. teams are willing to go over the cap. I think that's 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 not a concern of theirs, but a smaller market team, they may be thinking, ah, I don't know if they can if they're willing to go get the assets. I mean, their base. Howard's got to be thinking, I make more than their whole baseball team. <laughs> right. Um, so there was also, lastly, a possibility. I thought this was almost a little bit comical, but Ramona Shelburne uh, pointed out that uh, you know the Rockets will have the cap space to sign Howard outright, and that. Uh, Sources say that the Rockets will certainly attempt to convince the Lakers to take in return Omer Ashik and Jeremy Lin in a sign and trade deal for Howard. Now, the beauty of something like that is then you, you know, you're, you're basically trading close to dollar for dollar, but you preserve a ton of cap space. You'd still need to make a couple small moves, but you'd have enough to sign Chris Paul or somebody else to add alongside Dwight Howard. To me, I, I I understand people that say, okay, the Lakers know that if they if they get to a point where they know they're going to lose Dwight Howard, why not get compensation in return? I understand that, I get that, but do people really think that the Lakers are going to go after Oshik and Lynn? Maybe not even go after, maybe entertain the idea because it's not so much then them getting compensation for Howard. It's okay, we're going to take Oshik and Lynn for for Dwight. And that works. But now we're freeing up a Western Conference contender to possibly land CP3 with James Harden, with Chandler Parsons, with Dwight Howard. I don't think they're down for the cause. They're not going to help. They're not going to help any team in the Western Conference get Dwight Howard and possibly get CP3 on top of it. I just I don't see it happening under any circumstance. I think and not only that, but I think taking on two guys that are that are due. Um, $8.3 million each in the next two years as far as a cap hit, I think that sets them back even further because if they just let Dwight go, what that would mean is that at the end of next year, Kobe comes off the books at $31 million, Powell comes off the books at $19 million, and Howard's already gone. So their cap space looks great going into 2014, a free agency which features LeBron James, several other big names, I think they're they're maybe looking to say, in that respect, is okay. Well, let's cut our losses. We don't have to get assets back that aren't going to be long-term pieces. So if you don't see Jeremy Lin as a long-term piece, you don't see Omar Ashik as a long-term piece, then why even get those guys for a few years that makes you less competitive in free agency and doesn't really give you a whole lot more in terms of the season? You know, it's fascinating. To see. It will be to me to see how the Lakers respond here because they talk tough. They obviously have probably the biggest ego in the league as far as a franchise you would believe considering their fan base. And they, they're going to say the right things. We're not doing a sign and trade. But if the threat to walk is real to Houston uh, for Dwight Howard, what will they do? I, I agree with you, Lance, that the, the the money factor plays a role, but it's also a big risk to just let a guy like Dwight Howard walk for nothing. Uh, and it brings up the case of a sign-and-trade with the Clippers, which has been floated out there, especially if they keep Bledsoe, uh, of Bledsoe and Blake Griffin for Dwight Howard. And as crazy as it sounds, the Lakers sending their top free agent to the Clippers um, playing in the same city where most people wouldn't like uh, Dwight Howard. It, it just it seems crazy in the, in the same building, in fact. But 
can they let him walk for nothing? I just I have a hard time believing that, and it does make me a little bit concerned that the Rockets, being a great fit for Howard, could easily be used as leverage for a sign and trade when it gets down to the very end point. Yeah, but I, I feel like their ego almost is is on both sides, though. Their ego says we need to be good. We can't lose that edge of being the team in L.A. or the team that's good. We need to make the playoffs year in and year out. But they're also going to say, well. <laughs> Yeah, but we don't want to give this other team this shot in L.A., and if we give them Dwight Howard long-term, they're going to be a lot better. So it's almost it's almost an ego on the court, but also a front office ego of not helping your little brother out. It would be very hard to let a player of Dwight Howard's stature just walk without getting any compensation in return. But it's not so much, to me, getting compensation. It's helping whichever team it is, whether it's the Clippers or the Rockets. It's having them both land Dwight Howard and Chris Paul. Do you really want to be the team that helps, makes that happen? I I just don't see it. I Honestly, if I were the Lakers, I would let Dwight Howard walk before I helped make, pair him up with CP3. I, that's just me, though. That's just well, me. If that if that's the case, it's it's certainly good news for the Rockets for anybody who wants to see Dwight Howard end up here because then it limits his options. If they refuse to do a sign and trade, Houston just looks golden, I think, for him to go there, assuming he uh, his desire to play here is legit. It's good for Dwight Howard's reputation too. Uh, how bad of a PR nightmare is it for him to go f- and say, "Yeah, let's do a sign and trade and get me in a Clippers uniform." Man, I. A scenario where the Lakers were to agree to do a sign and trade to the Clippers, I just it doesn't make much sense to me. But I agree, Dave. If he if there is no sign and trade, regardless of who it's with, and Dwight Howard walks in free agency, I think the Rockets look really, really good to be the next home for Dwight Howard. Next week when we talk, we might uh, be talking about Tracy McGrady, an NBA champion. But uh, oh thank God. God. Don't say that. Don't <laughs> oh my say God! That. Don't yeah, let's say talk that. about let's talk about Jacoby Jones too. Good. Let's bring that. Oh, up. Is, this, sure. is this how we're going to end this podcast? Is that how we're ending it? <laughs> That's how it's ending. Thanks again, guys. We'll we'll do it then. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for having us, Dave. Yeah.